You're listening to Campus Review Radio. Hello, I'm Wade Zaglis, the Education Editor for Campus Review. As jobs and economies change around the globe, so do the skills students need to master. Today, Campus Review is talking to Professor Sandra Milligan, the lead author of the report Future-Proofing Students, What They Need to Know and How Educators Can Assess and Credential Them, to discuss these issues in detail. Professor Milligan will also talk about the reporting frameworks and how they need to be reassessed. Firstly, Professor Milligan, why did you and your co-authors decide this was a topic that demanded attention? Ah, wait, um, that's a good question. Look, we, we work in the Assessment Research Centre at the University of Melbourne, so that means we get a lot of people coming to us when they've got issues to do with their assessment or their credentials. And what we've noticed over the last few years is that people are telling us there's a real mismatch between what they want to teach students and what they want students to learn and what's assessed and what's on the credential. In other words, the credentials don't match mm. the um, aspiration for learning. And and this is we found this to be true right across the education sector. For instance, um, in schools, the Australian curriculum really says you need to learn a lot of things as well as subjects content like chemistry and French and so forth, yet our ATAR and our um, VCE and HSC and so forth credentials usually focus on what can be tested in examinations or um, quizzes or tests and it's not really reflecting the whole range of what students know and can do. And this is the same for degrees. Um, university teachers tell us this, so do employers. They say, gosh, you know, this person's got a degree, but it doesn't actually say what they really know and can do other than that they did poorly or badly in a couple of subject examinations. Hmm. And students say it too. They say, look, these credentials don't reflect who I am. So that's what we've noticed. In broad strokes, what skills do students need to be future-proofed for the 21st century, according to the report? Yeah. Well, I, I think the skills that we're talking about here that are really necessary but that are not really on the credentials are pretty easy to identify, although there's a lot of different language that's used to describe them. So um, people will have heard about soft skills which employers often talk about, or yes. 21st century skills, or in the schooling sector, they talk about general capabilities. And in the higher education sector, they talk about graduate qualities. And what they're talking about is things like the capacity to work in teams and collaborate, uh, communication skills of all sorts. I mean, you have to be able to communicate through lots of different avenues these days. Things like critical thinking and problem-solving and creativity and adaptability. So all of these things, I actually call them learning skills because they're the skills you need to learn and keep on learning 
through your school, through your tertiary education, through life, when you don't have a teacher um, hanging over your shoulder telling you exactly what to do and exactly how to do it. So these are the skills that people say and um, believe will set students up to thrive in whatever they're doing in the future. Right, which leads me to my next question. Why will these new skills be needed? Uh, different jobs? Um, uh, will there be, you know, a, a whole new range of jobs that require these skills? Um, well, uh, well <laughs> look, you just have to look around at the situation we're in now. Um, there are things coming at us thick and fast, whether it's bushfires or COVID, or jobs being taken over by artificial intelligence or um, jobs disappearing and reappearing in different forms. Um, the, the whole idea that uh, is that what we need is flexible people who can respond to whatever comes down the line at them. And things are going to probably come quite thick and fast because of, we're in the digital era and um, technology is changing very quickly. Social structures and patterns are changing very quickly. So in the 20th century, I think, school, where the schooling didn't focus on these as much. They've always been important, these skills. They're not new skills. No. They've always been required by humans. But the difference between previous centuries and this century is that the recognition is everyone needs them and that they can be learned and that it's important for our education system to um, allow students to learn it, learn them when they're at school and to show the degree to which they have, which is where we come back to the credentials. Um, so I think that's the argument. Um, we, we need people to be flexible, creative, communicative, collaborative, be able to work with people uh, from different cultures, different language groups, and these are skills required by everyone if they're going to thrive, and that's yeah. the challenge. And now, not really in the future, well, into the future, but, yeah, as you say, these jobs are already around. Yeah, I also think, you know, you look at, you look at kids in schools and who thrives and who doesn't. I mean, a lot of kids hate school. And um, usually, you know, you'll find them up the back of the classroom. They sort of grudgingly do what the teacher does. And what we need to do is find ways to get them engaged, to get them um, learning, to get them to be able to be as creative, communicative and collaborative as we know they can be if we set up the learning environment properly. So um, one of the challenges, I think, is making sure that particularly students from disadvantaged backgrounds who are normally, normally the ones who drop out of school quickly, they're the ones that will benefit most from having a, a special focus on these skills and making sure that we can represent what they really can know and do. I, I thought the revelation that very few students have been assessed on complex or general capabilities in the Australian curriculum, even though it's existed <laughs> since 2012, to be quite troubling. 
What are your thoughts on that and criticisms that many report cards give parents no useful information? Mm. Well, um, I, I think, funnily enough, I had the privilege of reading my seven-year-old granddaughter's report card, which she proudly brought home from school yesterday. And in fact, the grade two teacher had given quite a lot of attention to these sorts of skills and, and so do kindy teachers because, you know, learning to collaborate and share and communicate, they're, they're fundamental at that age. So I think teachers in the early years pay considerable attention to this, um, but they do it informally and it's normally reported to parents as, as sentences on a report card. By the time you move up the school, up into post-compulsory, say years 11 and 12, and then into the tertiary sector, that sort of reflection on the students more or less drops off. And it's um, sort of assumed, I guess, that if you get, say, a high ATAR score, that you are amazingly collaborative and cooperative and critical and so forth. In any case, that that may not be the case. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that the real challenge gets bigger and bigger as you go up the schooling and education system because things need to be more um, formalised and that it needs to capture and represent in a more formal manner. Um, and that's quite a big challenge. Absolutely. Well, I guess uh, linked to that is uh, my last question about the learner profile. Uh, which could be used in combination with or in lieu of a report card. And I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, I know uh, one school uh, was cited in your report as using it. Do you anticipate this learner profile to take hold across Australia at some time that, that really gives a holistic uh, representation of what a student can do? Ah, uh, wait, that is the question. Um and, you know, like most other people, I don't have a crystal ball. But if I was a betting person, I would say that it will catch on. And the reason I think it will catch on is because I've, I've met very few people who think it's a bad idea to be able to represent in, in very broad detail what a student knows and what they can do and who they are as a result of their education. The, the challenge comes into how to do that. And I think there's, um, so, so the desire to do it in the, is there. The question is how to do it. And it's, it's actually tougher than it looks on the surface because to be useful for, say, school leavers or graduates from tertiary education, these things have to, have to be done carefully. Um, one of the strengths of the Australian education system is that the assessments are of high quality, that, that they're regulated, that there's a um, series of mechanisms in place to trust us, uh, so that we can trust the credentials. To put a trust factor underneath the assessment of general capabilities or learning skills or soft skills, whatever you want to call them, is harder because um, you, you need to work out how you can ensure comparability. For instance, is one person's excellent collaborator 
does that mean the same as the next institution's judgment of that? So there needs to be some work done Mm. at the professional level to put in some mechanisms to make sure that assessments and credentials in this kind of area can be as trusted as the more traditional ones, which we need also. So that's the challenge. And our report looked at how a number of institutions that are really working on this, what they've done to ensure the trust factor. And I think that'll take a little while because it's a fairly big shift for the profession. Absolutely. Well, uh, Professor Sandra Milligan from Melbourne Graduate School of Education, thank you so much for speaking to Campus Review. Thank you, Wade. Pleasure.